Well, howdy there, partners, and welcome to another Left on Red. My name is Suckleberry Me Off. Sorry, I'm just doing your bit. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? No, we're starting over. No. Vito, what the fuck? Like, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'll notice you, like, referencing stuff on Twitter and whatever, and I don't yeah. need credit for that. You can have all those. Yeah. You're welcome, but yeah, uh, no. You're not you gonna can do, do. You can do the suckleberry me off then. What are you talking about? <laughs> I can do. It's me. It's mine. <laughs> I'm suck me off. <laughs> do you hear this, folks? Right. We're leaving this in. Evan is yeah. so unoriginal <laughs> that he couldn't help but just lean on a bit that I've been doing privately. I haven't been ready to debut it for uh, for weeks now. Well, we a week. hey now to be fair, to be fair. We did send each other voice messages. We sure did, but like, let's be fucking real. I thought of all of it, and mine were home runs. Every one of mine was a home run because it was my baby, and I allowed your participation, and that's not the fucking same. Okay. Uh, I've just because other people just because other people have played basketball doesn't mean they're going to change the name of the Naismith, right? Like, it's just not going to happen. They don't all get credit for inventing it. Anyways, I've listened to Louis Armstrong, but I didn't write any of that shit. You know what I mean? (laughs) All right. So welcome to another episode. Listen to how he just breezes left unread. (laughs) He's caring to see the gray now. He's like turning pink. (laughs) I'm pink every minute of my life, brother. Again, we're 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 cherry picking the facts. I'm pink. Always. (laughs) Always. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's yeah. Yes. You're a. Uh, uh, you're you're generally pink. But pink, right now pink, you're you're, pink s- you're a ca- darker hue of pink than pink usual. Pink is to Cameron as damp as to Evan. It is a. Yeah. It yeah, is a it's state our of natural being. State. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. What's anyway, up, the podcast is left unread, and uh, we've got a we've got a history episode for you guys today, uh, coming all the way back to my ancient mystery series which we last left off in i think fucking january so yeah it's been a while but uh yeah so anyway uh now that now that we've got all the particulars out of the way why don't we uh start the show yeah okay Should I explain the bit, or is that stupid? Yeah, no, yeah, you can do the bit, yeah. Okay, so the bit is this, folks, the one that Evan was was do- doing, without unlicensed. It's like when there were two Gallaghers, that's what it's like. Yeah. Um, so, no, so the bit is this, so it's a guy, it's a guy, 
And he's dating, and he's saving himself from marriage. He doesn't want to have sex with a woman. No. But his greatest source of anxiety is that his name is Suckleberry Meoff. And every time he goes on a date and he introduces himself, he, it causes him stress because he'll say, I'm Suck Meoff, and then they try to, and yeah. he gets all flustered. Yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, that's it. That's the bit. Yeah. You know, howdy, ma'am. My name is Suck Meoff. No, just what in the Sam Hill are you do- You get the. Oh, I swear. <laughs> yeah, people are You'd suck the cold off a popsicle sideways. if the Lord hadn't seen fit to fix it on. Like that's basically the bit. It's 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 stupid. It's a guy yeah. who doesn't want to get sucked off and has the worst yeah, he's possible. Celibate. Name. Yeah, he's he's Volcel, you know. Yeah. Yeah. If you no. if you were if you were a person who didn't want to get sucked off, then suck me off would be the worst Wait, a terrible name. The worst name yeah. you could have. And that's it. I just send Evan voice memos sometimes when I think of a good <laughs> hey, stop trying to suck me off um joke. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, th- yep. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's the bit. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so anyway, all right. Let's get Hey, we haven't done an Ancient it. Mysteries in a really long time. I'm super stoked yeah. because this is like, this yeah. is the most eye-crossing, mind-boggling, <laughs> silly yeah. series, and it's always so good, and I'm really yes. excited. Yeah, yeah, and uh, if Cameron, if you will take a look at the date of when I started writing this episode, that's how fucking lost in the sauce I got. Well, okay, <laughs> that is going to take me a little while because I have no mouse right now. Uh <laughs> Yeah, it's been it's been two months. Evan's been working yeah. on this for two months. It's seven pages, and it took him two months. Yeah. So I don't know what that says about Evan, but uh, <laughs> lots of reading to do. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, but anyway, yes. So to recap, so we are getting back into the cult of Mithras right now. So this is the third cult of Mithras episode in so far a five part <laughs> series. This is this is the third of a sub sub series. Yeah. And the fifth episode of a sub series of yeah. the macro series left unread, folks. Yeah. So, so just so you know, we'll now be creating a third playlist. It'll be called L U series series series. And yeah. with <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh this is Ancient Mysteries five, the cult of Mithras part three. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and this is actually going to be the first of a two-parter. Yeah. So yeah. this is the Cult well, of like Mithras 3A. Like, what... <laughs> well, it's like, what is it? There's there's Attack on Titan, which is currently in the final season, part three, part two. So... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know, so, man. I don't I don't shop at Hot Topic or anything, so... I yeah, well, yeah, I don't, I don't watch anime either, but... There, I, there's some good anime. I watched... I've seen Cowboy Bebop a few times. I've seen... Uh, Samurai Champloo. Oh, great uh, show! Same uh, same guy, right? The same. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, same. It was it's the same like director and art guy. Like the, yeah. the same lead guy made those shows. Yeah, and New Jabez does the uh, the music yeah. or did the music yeah, for, for Samurai Champloo. For Samurai Champloo. Anyway, yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, so to recap, welcome back, Initiate, to the Ancient Mysteries. <laughs> It has been quite some time since our last episode, so I will briefly recap the ancient mysteries and the mysteries of Mithras for you before we venture into the antechamber deep in the Mithraeum cavern here outside Rome. The Torobolium must wait for now. (laughs) (laughs) Shit, man. The Torobolium's gotta wait? Yeah, we gotta, yeah. So sharpen your knives, but, you know, just keep them handy, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Is that uh, when you so cut the bull's throat? Yeah, that's the the bull sacrifice. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so the ancient mysteries were a series of discrete cults that dotted the ancient landscape, both before the rise of Rome as a territorial power and continuing into its imperial period up until the domination of Christianity. And, uh, you know, there, there were some attempts, like, you know, if you have, like, Julian the Apostate to bring back, like, the pagan mysteries, but, um, once, uh, once, once he died young, you know, spoiler alert, Christianity was pretty much, uh, ascendant for the rest of its, uh, Rome's history. Now, the mysteries were generally centered on worship of specific deities in each mystery, and the mysteries were not mutually exclusive. One could participate in any number of them, generally freely. Uh, each mystery has its own rites and ceremonies, some more mystical and perverse than others. And this could include fasting, libations, partying. Who doesn't, who doesn't like partying and libations, folks? We all love it. But then also flagellation, self-castration, feasting. Uh, they really run the gamut, and they can last from a day to weeks. <laughs> Why, but like self castration followed by feasting, like the yeah. first, the first thing I'm thinking, like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, like yeah, it's not even, it's not even like that's implied in like the way you worded or anything, but it's just yeah. like, oh, what are they eating? <laughs> now, now what that are... I've rid myself of these troublesome balls, <laughs> <laughs> fetch my brazier, and yeah. we shall, and we shall snack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get me some olives and bread. No, they have the best snap to them when they're fresh. Yep. You know, <laughs> natural casing, brother. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Yeah. Here's the thing. I'd eat nuts if if I had the right condiments. If I had like a good like, spicy mustard, I feel like it's yeah. just sausage. You know. Yeah. I mean, there's that fucking dumbass Liver King who's got that video of him. And like, I, I will say for the the people that are like the the raw meat influencers on instagram yeah. and tiktok and all that i think it's hysterical that these guys never actually finish their plates <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. so there's that video of that liver king guy he just puts like bull balls into like a bowl with like raw milk and he only takes a couple bites you know what i mean oh he eats that um, shit i believe it. yeah um but then but then there is this one guy i don't know what his name is but like he's constantly like showing like eating like the full thing like he has like is it the young guy yeah, it's a young guy. He's like a, he's like a rower. He he's um, yeah. I think for yeah, he's like in guy. good shape. But like, dude, if you watch videos of him from before he starts his raw meat diet, and then you watch him on the raw meat diet, you're like, oh, dude, his skin is like the wrong color. Yeah, <laughs> like he looks so yeah, much it's worse. It's not good to like only eat raw meat. I I feel like here's the thing. I was talking to so I have a friend, uh, a really yeah. good friend who's who's yeah. um, a nutritionist by training and also yeah. just like really into fitness and whatever. And her. The way she breaks down, like, yeah. eating eating food is yeah. so simple and just, like, makes all the sense in the world to me. And it's like, yeah. you should just be eating things that are – you should be eating as many things as you can that are as close to just how they were naturally, you know, yeah. sourced. So, like, eat a lot of, like, raw or lightly cooked vegetables. Yeah. Um, but, like, cook your meat if you eat meat. Um, and – you know, you don't have to like cut things out of your diet, you know, yeah. just simple stuff. Like, you know, if you're going to eat grains, eat relatively simple grains, you know, and if you yeah. got to eat processed stuff, just like keep it to a minimum, you know, yeah. and she's shredded and she's great. And she'll, if, if there's yeah. pizza, she'll eat a slice. Like she's a fucking normal person. And yeah, yeah. I don't know the raw meat thing. It's just, it sounds it's just like, dude, like it just sounds you know like a bad idea. 
It does too, and also like there's no way that's like pleasurable. Well, and here's like the you th- know like like eating like you know what I mean like I I try to limit the amount of meat I eat, but like also like you know what I mean like if I do eat it, I want it to be like good. So like like I especially like I won't eat like frozen like sausage patties just because I don't think an animal should lose its life for me to have like a garbage like frozen meal like that. Like I'll always go with like the the like Beyond patties or whatever for like stuff sure. like that. But, like, like, just, like, the idea of just, like, like, these people just eating, like, just completely, like, raw steak and shit. It's, like, like, if, like, a nice, like, medium rare steak, you know, when it cooked well, it's just, like, such, like, a decadent experience. It's, like, very, like, I don't know, it should should be good. Yeah, right. Don't waste it on, like, fucking ass. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But, so, which I also do eat, ladies. (laughs) Raw. Um. But yeah, so I think that uh, if there's um, if there's one thing that those people tend to always point to, it's like, oh, well, this is like an ancestral, like specifically like Liver King, right? It's like, oh, this is yeah. primal. This is like an ancestral. It's like, I'm sorry, yeah, cave, but you know what, what the, do you think? Do you know what the mortality men... rate was back then? And like, as here's the thing: as soon as people discovered fire, they always they were cooking, cooking their, their shit always, yeah. and guarantee <clears> you there was no fire. Like they, they were they were cooking that shit. They're like, oh, nice. We don't have to eat this nasty, slimy shit. Anymore. Yeah, and it we cut can make it the good. it cut the fucking death rate. Yeah. By a huge amount. I don't even know what it is. I'm just saying yeah. it because I know it's true. I don't oh, have any figures. Because you don't have as many parasites. Because here's shit. the thing. Cooking, there's no... If if we didn't need to do it, we wouldn't do it. Yeah. It just wouldn't have become a thing. But it also yeah. tastes real good. And people yeah, are really susceptible to shit like that. Like, yeah. you know, if it feels good, do it. Like, blowjobs aren't necessary for survival either. But some yeah. at some point, probably real early on. Like, real yeah. early on. Someone <laughs> like, was like, like way hey. before language, way before language, they were sucking dick. Like, I'm going to eat that <laughs> pussy, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, similar question, and then I'll uh, let you get back to your 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 project here, your, your episode yeah. that you're trying to run. Yep, yep. I had a friend ask me the other day, Yeah. Uh, who do you think, when do you think the first person shit their pants? And I said, I, I think it was probably prob- the first day that they were pants on. Exactly. I, it's, <laughs> like, I said, probably the first person to wear pants. They probably put like, them on, had to shit, went, and then were like, oh, no, that's right. Yeah. Like, I gotta, yeah, this sucks. I got to think about these pants now. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do, you know, do it. And here's the thing. Then you got to probably back then, you probably got to throw those pants out. There wasn't yeah. technology to, to, to act, act, like adequately get shit out of clothing. Yeah. Until yeah. really, really recently. At least not for my standards. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, a, a, a dip in the river is not. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm ditching the pants. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, shit, I got to tan some more, some more high. And I think know? that was true until, until pretty recently. Like, if I shit yeah. my pants in 1890, new trousers on the way. Yeah. Not, not wearing yeah. those again. Yeah. So, anyhow, that's my yeah. thoughts on shitting pants. And it seems like <laughs> yeah. we agree on the timeline. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. Day one of pants, yeah. them shits got shitted. Yeah, there was there was shit in the pants on the first <laughs> yeah. day. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Yes. Cool. Good. Glad cool. to know. Yeah. Yeah. That's the official left on red position. Here's here's the thing, guys. That's why we do the show together because on the yeah. big issues, we're aligned. Yeah. We, eye to eye. Yeah. Yeah. We see, we see yeah. eye to eye. Yeah. But yeah. So anyway, uh, back to the mysteries. Uh, generally speaking. People joined mysteries looking to get something out of it and would move on to other ones if their requests were met, whether by divine or secular intervention. So the cult of Mithras 
which we will discuss uh, further today, spread across the Roman Empire originally from Persia and India. It was a men's only club, so, you know, just dudes rock, no ladies allowed, but any man, free or slave, patrician or pleb, soldier or invalid, or emperor, could join. It was especially popular in the legions, and it mostly spread across the empire through them, but also through merchants and slaves. Mithras would sail to such heights that the Roman emperor Commodus himself would champion the cult, and its favor would continue into the Severan dynasty. Commodus, famously portrayed by Joaquin Phoenix mm -hmm. in the Ridley Scott film Gladiator. Um, Is that how you say his name? Joaquin Phoenix? Yeah, I always, I always thought it was Jackin'. <laughs> Jack, <laughs> yeah, I'm Jack and Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, so uh, no, I thought it was Jack and Penis. Jack and Penis, <laughs> uh, good, good childhood friend of Suck Me Off, <laughs> Suck Me, Suck Me Off, and Jack and Penis. Yep. Yeah, dude, that's, <laughs> hey, that's just how I pronounced it. <laughs> dude, we're just turning into. Oh, this is just turning. Into <laughs> really unfortunate name for a couple of celibate buddies, you know. You know what's you know what's outstanding is I, I I didn't think of the Jack and Penis thing until right now. Yo, I could tell I could tell that came to you naturally. Yeah, that was a real moment. Oh, um, you're welcome, yeah, so, everybody. You're really getting you're really getting yeah. my all today. Yeah, yeah. This is yeah prime Cameron territory mm -hmm. right now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so there are also competing notions of just what the Roman cult of Mithras was. Did it spread from Persia or develop independently in the Roman Empire? Uh, it is possible that it was a fusion of the Greek cult of Perseus with a Persian cult of Mithra. Mithra being the Persian form of the Roman Mithras. Uh, so the cult of Perseus began in Tarsus and became fused with the Persian Mithra and its Zoroastrian connections and spilled over into the Roman Empire. Once it spread throughout the Roman army, it greatly changed from the Persian counterpart and became a sophisticated religion in its own right with contributions to astronomy and philosophy. <clears throat> so, uh, so for today's episode, I do just want to uh, quickly cite the two books that I've used for it. I believe were uh, the same ones as the last two Mithras episodes for the most part, and that's The Mysteries of Mithra by Franz Cumont. And uh, so he was writing in the early 20th century. And then the recent book, The Mysteries of Mithras, by Payam Nabars, uh, who I do just want to briefly read uh, the Payam Nabars' uh, uh, little, like, uh, kind of a, a biography on the back of his book. It says, Payam Nabars, a Persian-born Sufi and practicing dervish, holds a PhD from Oxford University and is carrying out postdoctoral research there on genetics and cancer. He is a druid in the Grove of the Order of the Bards, Ovates and Druids, a member of the Golden Dawn Occult Society, and a revivalist of the Temple of Mithras. So he's a, a practicing Mithras, uh, uh, um, I guess, believer. Uh, mm -hmm. And he lives in England. So I did just want to say that biography just for, you know, the stuff I use from him. He's, like, coming at it as, like, you know, like, he literally writes his own, like, in this book, like, meditations to Mithras and shit and talks about like how to like go through in modern day the uh the different rites of Mithras but I just you know I felt that it was necessary to give like his little background there just yeah. so you know yeah, like he's, what, he's, he's, what his bias he's is he's getting yeah. kind of lost in the sauce yeah he, yeah he's uh yeah he's part of the golden dawn occult society <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> so yeah. it's just like <laughs> that's so good 
Yeah. Are they still um, active? I guess so, yeah. Um, <clears throat> all right, so let's get into the Mithraic Doctrine. What was the name of the... What was the name of the cult in Oblivion with Mankar Cameron? Oh my god, yeah, what was that? Uh, Some, Sacred Dawn? No. No. Sacred Dawn's are, are Yeah, that was real. real. World, yeah. Um, it was something yeah. Dawn, right? Let me see. The Mythic Dawn. Mythic Dawn. Mythic Dawn. But, yeah. That was so okay. cool. He was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. That game Man- rule. And Mehrun's Dagon. Yeah. Alright, anyway, so... Uh, Mithraic Doctrine. So Mithras is originally a god from the Persian polytheistic religion, dating back to at least the second millennium BCE. Once Zarathustra, or Zoroaster in Greek, reformed the Persian polytheism into a monotheistic religion of Ahura Mazda, Mithras became the protective spirit of truth. Uh, You know, so downgraded from God. Um, For what it's worth, there are many parallels to Christianity in the Reformation of Zoroastrianism, like the miraculous birth of Zoroaster and Ahura Mazda having various aspects, like the Christian god. So the name Mithra has three meanings in Farsi, love, son, and friend. Mithra is even seen in Chinese mythology as a friend and guardian in the afterlife, with statues portraying him as a military general. Uh, Mithras was worshipped for three centuries in the most remote regions of the Roman Empire, and over that time the worship took on minor alterations and revisions. However, unlike the Greco-Roman paganism that was a hodgepodge of traditions and rites, Mithraism was an actual doctrinal belief, as Reformed Mazdaism had a genuine dogmatic belief system. Um, Mithras was presented in the likeness of a human monster with the head of a lion and his body enveloped by a serpent. So, so it was like a man's it. body, but like with yeah. a snake wrapped around it. Yeah, and then like the the, the head of a lion. Um, <clears throat> all right, so I'm going to read now from Humalt. Uh The multiplicity of attributes with which his statues are loaded is in keeping with the kaleidoscopic nature of his character. He bears the scepter and the bolts of divine sovereignty and holds in each hand a key as the monarch of the heavens, whose portals he opens. His wings are symbolic of the rapidity of his flight. The reptile whose sinuous folds enwrap him typifies the tortuous course of the sun on the ecliptic. The signs of the zodiac engraved on his body and the emblems of the seasons that accompany them are meant to represent the celestial and terrestrial phenomena that signalize the eternal flight of the years. He creates and destroys all things. He is the lord and master of the four elements that compose the universe. He virtually unites in his person the power of all the gods, whom he alone has begotten. Sometimes he is identified with destiny, at others with the primitive light or the primitive fire. While both conceptions rendered it possible for him to be compared with the supreme cause of the Stoics, the heat which pervades all things, which has shaped all things, and which under another aspect was fatality. Hell so yeah. anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the preachers of Mithras described the origin of the world as a hypothesis of a series of successive generations. The first principle... A concept seen again and again as just the unexplained beginning, begot a primordial couple, the heaven and the earth, and these siblings got together and birthed the ocean, and these three Why formed... Why are they always siblings? 
Yeah, and, in every yeah. like in every like origin myth, it's like yeah. yeah, there was a brother and a sister, and then and I- they were fucking hard, <laughs> dude. <laughs> Just putting that headboard against the wall. <laughs> Even Adam and Eve, it's like okay, yeah. they weren't explicitly siblings, but then their kids were, and like where did yeah. everyone else come from? You know. Yep. Anyway, uh, and these siblings, heaven, earth, uh, together, birthed the ocean, and these three formed the supreme triumvirate of the Mithraic pantheon. Of course, these gods corresponded to other deities seen in Mediterranean religions. The heavens are Jupiter, the earth Juno, and the ocean Neptune. So I'm going to read again from Franz Cumont here. So the Olympian deities were sprung, in fact, from the marriage of the celestial Jupiter with the terrestrial Juno. Their eldest daughter is Fortune, Fortuna Primogenia, who bestows on her worshippers every grace of body and every beauty of soul. Her beneficent generosity is contrasted with Ananki, which represents the unalterable rigor of fate. Hmm. Themis, or the law, the Moire, or the fates, were other personifications of destiny, which manifests under various forms, a character which is susceptible of infinite development, which was susceptible. The sovereign couple further gave birth not only to Neptune, who became their peer, but to a long line of other immortals. Artagnes or Hercules, whose heroic deeds the, sacrifice, the sacred hymns celebrated. Sharivar or Mars, who was the god of the metals and succored the pious warrior in his combats. Vulcan or Atar, the genius of fire. Mercury, the messenger of Zeus. Bacchus or Heoma, the personification of the plant that furnished the sacred drink. Sylvanus or Dvarspa, protector of horses and agriculture, then Anaitis, the goddess of the fecundating waters, who has been likened to Venus and Cybele, and who, presiding over war, was also invoked under the name of Minerva. Diana or Luna, who made the honey which was used in the purifications. Vanianiti or Nike, who gave victory to kings. Asha or Arit, perfect virtue and others besides. This innumerable multitude of divinities was enthroned with Jupiter or Zeus on the sun-tipped summits of Mount Olympus and composed the Celestial Court. While being a book with great information in it, you can see why this fucking shit, like, the way that Franz Cumont writes, it's just like, dude, fuck off. I was gonna say, like, <laughs> well, hey, at least this is all really straightforward. Um, yeah, like, did you know, I... No constantly room having to reread shit. Yeah, constantly having to reread shit with this fucking Who is asshole. the goddess of the, the fecund... fecund- the fecundating waters. The fecundating uh, waters. Yeah, that was uh, uh, you know, uh, An- Aniatis, the goddess of the fecundating waters. Jesus Christ, dude. Fuck yeah. God. Hell yeah, bro. Hell yeah.
Alright, so through this spreading of the gods around creation, uh, Mithraism deified the four simple bodies, the cardinal winds, the seasons of the earth, primitive, nourishing Mother Earth. This became both part of the ritual and doctrine of Mithraism. These four bodies of the earth, according to the ancients, composed also the universe. A lion represented fire, a cup water, a serpent the earth. These elements constantly devouring one another and the transmutations and infinitely variable combinations provoking the phenomena of nature. Now, the chariot of Mithras is drawn by four horses, the first symbolizing fire or the ether, the second air, the third water, and the fourth the earth. This is the cosmic quadriga, and the accidents which befall the earth horse represent the inundations and conflagrations which have and will continue to desolate the world. And the victory of the first is the symbolic image of the final conflict that shall destroy the existing order of all things. Dude, fuck yeah. All right. Yeah, man. Yep. The sun itself was the chariot that traversed the firmament over the day and then descended into the ocean at night, only to rise again the next day. However, the sun existed both as identical with Mithras and as distinct from him. Yeah, dude, obviously, right. <laughs> Two different <laughs> yeah. solar deities. Yeah. No, I mean, Mithras is the sun. But he's also kind of like well, a different thing. He's you know? not the, Well, he's not the sun. Well, he's the sun. But he is the sun, though. No. The Greek Olympians typically corresponded with the celestial planets, but the Mosaic gods existed in the luminous stars whose paths through the heavens could be charted through the constellations. The signs of the zodiac would be represented on the walls of the Mithraeum under their traditional, uh, traditional aspects, each venerated within the month that they presided and grouped by threes according to the seasons with which they and their worship confirmed. Through Mazdaism and thus Mithraism, the idea of demons infecting the world spread in the Roman Empire. Things like necromancy, which is raising the dead, oneromancy, using dreams to foretell the future, belief in the evil eye and talismans, witchcraft, conjuration, and all manner of evil and occult practices found their justification in the roles of demons. Magi of the Mazdaic religions in the Occident, which the Occident is, you know, it's a... Uh, uh, not the Orient, it's the Occident, more in the West, um, would become synonymous with magician in the popular consciousness due to these occult practices, from magi to magician. Now, Mithras himself would hold a place as an intermediary between the realm of the unknowable god and the realm of man. He was thought to inhabit the middle zone between heaven and hell. Mithras would be represented in the Occident by two youthful figures, one holding an uplifted torch, and the other holding theirs inverted. They were known as Kautai and Kautopati. These two together with the visage of Mithras formed the Triple Mithras, <laughs> seen as the star of the day, who rose at dawn, who passed at midday, and fell below the horizon at night. And I, I just like, Triple Mithras reminds me of like... Yeah. <laughs> it's just like a, well, like the Power Rangers like combining. To right, create, dude. Like, a, <laughs> yeah, the Megazord. Yeah, 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 yeah. The triple Mithras. Dude, this yeah. is so silly. <laughs> Dude, there are people that practice this today. Yeah, it's, Like it's, this guy, Pi in the Bars. It's bonkers, man. Pervert shit, bro. Pervert yeah, it's shit. absolutely bonkers. Yeah. I get. I, mean, I totally get the, uh, the shift historically towards monotheism just because well, it's so much easier. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it is so much more straightforward to just be like, oh, the, the sky... Yeah, no, that's God. The ocean's also God. 
who created the fish? That was God. You know, yeah. it's just like just simple. But Stri- also, fish aren't meat, so you can eat that. You know, on uh, um, on Fridays during. Yeah, Lent. yeah, yeah. Of course, they've all got their own silly minutia. But like, imagine yeah. if you had to be fish like, are more like rem- plants. Rem- remind me who the goddess of the fecundating waters is again. Oh, and that's just God. Yeah, that's right. God. Easy, easy. <laughs> you never have same, to ask. same same one as the unfecundating waters. Yeah. I got it. So, okay, I've got this really specific problem. Like, I've got these corns on my feet, and I got to figure out which god I need to sacrifice to to help with that. Only one. Easy. The only god. There's only one. Just, it's always going to be him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do think yeah. that we should bring back, like, sacrificing and stuff, because I think that yeah. Old Testament god loved, like, the smell of roasting meats and stuff. You know, yeah, he, wanted, he liked to get little treats. Who doesn't he wanted like to treats. get treats? And I think that a god who does <laughs> the treat things. god. Yeah, a god who does things for free, like. I don't know. Sounds like a fucking scrub to me. I don't know. Nothing's free. What was he trying to get out of me here? But like, yeah, you know what I mean? But yeah, if it's just like, yeah, here's a, you know, here's some, here's some beef. Do you like the smell, God? And he's like, mm-hmm, that shit smell good. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet meats, my favorite. God just sitting there, like slapping his stomach. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Smells good. One flood coming up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh... Uh, so, yes, so in the Mithraic traditions, Mithras first tested himself against the sun, who then became his friend and ally and placed his radiant crown upon Mithras's head, as they would go on to faithfully support each other from then on. After the sun, Mithras would test his strength against the bull, which was the first living creature created by Ormazd. Is Ormazd Ahura Mazda? Yeah, I think so. Uh, it's, it's, I'm not totally uh, up on my Zoroastrianism. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and Franz Kimont constantly uses like different words for the same thing too. So it's that's what I'm saying. He's to... just like you should know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you have to ask, you'll yeah. never know. Yeah. So Ormazd, Ohura Mazda. Yes. So Franz Kimont notes that this fable traces itself back to the very beginnings of civilization as it could only ever come to pass among a people of shepherds and hunters who venerated cattle. Capturing a wild bull was a feat only achievable by a god. Mithras, in this tale, quite literally grabbed the bull by its horns and mounted it, being dragged around and even unseated by the animal until it tired out, and Mithras was able to drag the conquered creature into his cave within which he dwelt. However, the bull would eventually escape, and Mithras was commanded by the sun, which again he both is and isn't, through the raven, to recapture the fugitive, and this time slay it within the cave. Here we see the impetus for the bull sacrifice of the Mithmeric Mysteries. From the corpse and lifeblood of the bull, all the herbs and plants and wheat of the earth would spring forth. From the seed of the bull, the other useful animals of the earth would spring forth, while the wicked ones, serpents, scorpions, serpents just constantly getting fucking heat from everybody in the yeah. ancient world, you know? Uh, so serpents, scorpions, these are the wicked animals of the earth, uh, they would be demon-born and attempt to drink up the blood of the beast and poison its fruit. Its soul would ascend into the heavens and become Sylvanus, the guardian of herds. Thus, Mithras, through his sacrifice of the bull, created... Uh, uh, created all the good life upon the earth. Mm. <clears throat> now Mithras would then be charged with keeping a watchful eye over the race of man during the heroic period of the history of man. And eventually man overcame the evil Ahriman and would be allowed to fruitfully multiply. 
Thus, Mithras and the other gods were allowed to engage in a last supper upon the close of the heroic age, and he and all the others would then ascend into the heavens, borne by the sun upon his radiant quadriga, which is chariot. However, from the heavens, Mithras would continue to watch over and to protect man. That's pretty badass. Yeah. Yeah, so he's just fucking just hacking up this bowl in the cave, you know what I mean? And that's yeah. why the Romans did it as well, you know? I uh, I like that part where he uh, watches over and protects man. That makes me feel really secure. Maybe Mithras is the right god for me. Yeah, yeah. Hey, man, you could. Uh, I'm sure you could uh, email Piam the bars. It know. would be. I guarantee awesome. you that correspondence with this person would be hysterical. <laughs> Speaking of correspondence, we never heard back from our. our oh, did we talk about that on the show yet? No, we didn't. I do. I actually did want to read that. So. Okay, so we. Do you want to read the? Yeah. The email and I'll read the response. Yes, 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 yes. All right. So we got we so uh, we've got we've gotten some fan mail recently, and uh, somebody took us up on our offer to send us hate mail, and they sent us a very mean email, and it was hysterical, and I was dying laughing at it. As was uh, uh as was Cam. So uh, this is, so I believe that this is a uh, a French individual um based on their name. I won't say their name. <laughs> But, um, so they took a, a bit of an exception to one of our episodes that takes place in France. Well, we can say uh, that their name was Margaret. Yeah, I just, I'm not going to say the last name. Yeah, no, no, no. But listener but the, Margaret reached yeah. out to us. Yeah, uh, a French last name. So, um, so the email is Pont Saint-Esprit. So I'm thinking, oh, nice, this person listened to the episode 35, The Cursed Bread of Pont Saint-Esprit. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, the body. No wonder you morons have so few views. Waste of time with you talking about burping and crap. Stupid hip-hop music. But you didn't even bother to check that the Rhone River flows through Provence and even where the village is, even asserting it does not. I suggest you stick to subjects you actually know something about, like maybe skateboarding and fast food. Which, like, also is very funny because this person rage quit the episode because we, like, live on air, like, then, like, looked up exactly... Where the wrong yeah, River we were wrong to... about it, and uh, well, so... you tried. No, I was right. You tried to correct me, uh, but you were wrong about the Rhone because I think you were thinking of the Rhine. Oh, sure, or something like that. But yeah, but then like okay, so sorry, then we I doubled... said we were wrong. I was wrong. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so then we. Uh... This is the same Evan who wants me to leave out his fuck up, his prodigious <laughs> fuck up earlier in the episode, which you might not hear. We'll talk about it after the show. It might be cut, but I just want you to know it was hysterical <laughs> and it fucking happened. Yep. But I will and leave in that I was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, correct. <laughs> and <laughs> but so like this person just like rage quit, like right the episode there, and then you know sent us a fucking email. Yeah. And Cameron had a nice response. So if you would like well, to read yeah, the response. Well, yeah. So <laughs> okay. Uh, Margaret, thank you for your honest feedback. We appreciate you giving us a chance, and even though you did not enjoy the show, we're glad you took time out of your busy day to reach out and let us know how you were feeling. We've never claimed to be experts, just two friends who enjoy learning about and discussing new things. If you prefer a more robust scholarly approach, there are luckily plenty of shows more to your liking, and we encourage you to explore your options. The internet really is a wonderful place. We always try to research our episodes as fully as our careers and actual lives allow for, but when we miss something or speak erroneously, we're glad to know listeners like you will let us know. And that's true, okay? 
and I think we've always been pretty upfront about it. And most people that listen yeah. to the show know this, we're clearly amateurs, right? This is just yeah. like, we're just like enthusiastic idiots. But yeah. um, you really can always reach out if we ever make a mistake. We've we've had people yeah. do it in the past in in much nicer ways, and yeah. we will always like engage with you and and do our best to like, you know, fill in the gaps or give people credit where it's due. Um, yeah. And so in, so on this regard, like the main reason that I actually wanted to read this email was because like, it's worth pointing out that, yeah, like we yeah. fumbled over that or I fumbled over that. And I think actually in the episode, Evan's correct. We did sort it out. So I wish this person had yeah. listened, but whatever, it's, <laughs> that shit's going to happen. And we leave that in cause it's conversational. Anyway, the email yeah. continues. If you ever have future feedback, please don't hesitate to reach out. In the meantime, I have to go drink diarrhea directly out of Evan's penis hole, which I now know is actually called a urethra. See, I can do research. Be well, Cameron yep. from LU. So this person was a little mean, and that's fine. And I, I think that our response to that will never be to be mean back. Um, yeah. And I, don't worry. Evan's a sanitary guy. There will never be intentionally yeah. diarrhea anywhere near his urethra. Um, yeah. But yeah. you know, and in, uh, in the fog of war, sometimes you know <laughs> things get dirty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, luckily with like modern graphics capabilities and stuff, like draw yeah. distance is so much better that we shouldn't have to deal with too much fog of war. So yeah. I think that like everything will be fine. But yeah, um, yeah. The moral of that story being like, you know, feel free to reach out and like you can be mean if you have to, but we will probably but, read your email on air. That's the first yeah. like truly like mean email we've gotten though. Like I said, we yeah, all of the people. other emails we've gotten are like very sweet. Yeah. And, like people will reach out to me on Twitter and it's always like sweet. And I like the other emails, generally people just talking about how much they like the show. Yeah. <laughs> or like, how, like funny they think they are. Like, yeah. Books and stuff. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, please feel free to reach out. And But know, yeah, if you do send us a mean email, we will read it. We'll read it. And make fun we'll of you. We'll read it. At the very least, we will read it. Because and like, do... like, this, like this French pervert just like getting pissed off that yeah. we didn't say the so exact the last location. Name really makes it seem like this person is, is French. I mean, perhaps. Like a French they, national, they might yeah. Be Quebecois. But yeah. if there's one thing I've learned, and I don't know a ton of French people, but I do know some <laughs> French people, and like. They're they're a tough crowd, man. They yeah. they don't like it if you don't know anything or don't care about their culture. But they yeah. also don't like it if you make the attempt and aren't French and like aren't perfect yeah. and don't just like know everything. Yeah, they're just like, gonna be mad. This person doesn't know where Zion National Park is, and I wouldn't fucking yeah. dunk on them for it. Like it's yeah, it's, it's just a, <laughs> like it's li- just... like like literally the subject of the episode is about this like awful thing that was that done did. to the people of France yeah. and yeah. like and like I get like and super into like, the lives of the yes, people but in it, and they're pissed you did not know where the river was perhaps you <laughs> should have a cheeseburger you morons and <laughs> I will say Evan and I do have some experience with fast food like yeah I felt yeah. a little nailed on that one but skateboarding yeah. okay yeah I don't know anything about skateboarding yeah I tried to skateboard when I was younger I was terrible at it yeah so. man I'm not built don't know much about shit. yeah my center of gravity is too high yeah, but, uh, yeah, no, so, like, this person was just pissed that we didn't know, like, the location of, like, a town, like, not even a town, a village, like, well, the exact location. Yeah, I mean, if we're doing an episode about a village in France, I guess it, maybe, well. you know, it would behoove us to know, but <laughs> it also, it wasn't, <laughs> Evan knew it, I guess, and I didn't, and I wasn't even doing the episode, so that's what I'm here for. When we do these episodes, <laughs> look, yeah. uh, we could realistically, just whoever wrote it could just do it by themselves, but the, the yeah. fun is... That the other person's learning. I don't know about the cult of Mithras. We don't no. research each other's topics. Like Yeah, no, we go in we go in blind. Yeah, the fun of it is like sitting here and listening to my friend, which is why we started the show, because we would have done no. this shit anyway. Evan yeah. would have been reading this stupid ass book, and I would have had to fucking sit here and listen to him talk about it. 
And yeah. so we may as well at least turn the burden of our friendship yeah. into something productive. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Anyhow, um, so, yeah. thank you. Seriously, though, thank you for reaching out, even if you were, like, salty. Maybe a you just had a bad stupid day. stupid bastard, yeah. Well, whatever. Like, people have bad days and shit. And the internet does yeah. provide, like, a certain degree of anonymity. My assumption is this person probably stopped listening to the show. So yeah. I guess they won't hear this, but it also seems like they maybe like stumbled across us on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, they talk about this the views. About yeah. views. Nobody watches. We are on YouTube. A lot of our shit. Gets- I, I've actually had people reach out saying that they like came across the podcast on YouTube and then became a listener from that. So which that is does cool. work. There's no video. No. Just in case anyone's like, listen, we don't no. we don't record video. So if you're like, what? There's a YouTube? Like, not really. Our 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 um, episodes are just on YouTube. They're, they're, yeah, we automatically yeah. upload to YouTube, and and frankly, they're not even all there because, as you know, so, like we use we use music in our show, and YouTube's really yeah. strict about that. Even though we don't make a cent off anything, the way yeah. YouTube monetization works, they have to be really strict about it, or they don't yeah. have to be, but they are. Um, so if we use too popular of a song, it just gets yeah, fucking taken especially, out and I think that's a good example. Like especially like the hip hop um, albums tend to be but, yanked really quick metal yeah. stuff it just tends to fly more under the radar but yeah. uh, anything uh, what if i is it nuclear blast um some yeah. european label fucking nabs me every time and i get the emails i'm like ah, what are you gonna do we don't really yeah the don't youtube ecosystem isn't like what we're going yeah. for anyway so. but yeah you <laughs> yeah. can find us on there um if if that's yeah. what you're if that's what you're into yeah. Um, oh. Anyhow, yeah. sorry, I didn't mean to deflect, but uh, we just thought we talked about this like for weeks, yeah. bringing this up because this is a few yeah. weeks old. And um, yeah, so send us hate yep. mail. We'll read it out loud. Yeah, yeah. So ju- yeah, so if you are gonna send us hate mail, make sure it's good because we're gonna read it and we want good content. Yeah. So that one was fucking. Good. Yeah. So yeah, exactly, Margaret. Yeah, you are you are uh, you are today's goose of the week. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no. So we want good content. So don't you know if you you know if you're gonna be a little mean piggy about it, then at least be funny. I uh, um, <laughs> I don't know if Margaret will understand the joke because they don't have geese in France. Oh uh, yeah, that's that's the new bit. We just make... we do not have geese in France. <laughs> <laughs> We just start making erroneous claims about France. Yeah, yeah. France is really hull, actually. I don't even know how Margaret listens to the episode, considering they don't have the internet there yet. But yeah, they're still shitting in buckets outside. Oh my god. Anyhow, all right. <laughs> yeah. All right. So anyway, um, so back to Mithras. Uh, so thus, uh, uh, Mithras and the other gods, um were allowed to engage in a last supper upon the close of the heroic age and he and the, all the others would then ascend into the heavens borne by the sun upon his radiant quadriga uh however from the heavens mithras would continue to watch over and protect man so in the mythology of mithras i think we can clearly see a lot of bits of other religious mythology mithras is the creator that jupiter or mazd tasked with establishing and maintaining the order of nature and this way he is like the logos we see in philosophical language including in christianity and judaism in the beginning there was the word logos and the word was with god and the word was god the logos shares in god's omnipotence and faithfully watches over creation after it is well created followers of mithras believe in action and strength they were at odds with ariman and through combat mithras would defeat ariman for this reason, it was a religion of soldiers, and military virtues were exalted above all others. So I'm going to read once again from Franz Cumont. In the war which the zealous champion of piety carries on unceasingly with the malign demons, he is assisted by Mithra. Mithra is the god of help, 
whom one never invokes in vain, an unfailing haven, the anchor of salvation for mortals and all their trials, the dauntless champion who sustains his devotees and their frailty through all the tribulations of life. As with the Persians, so here he is still the defender of truth and justice, the protector of holiness, and the intrepid antagonist of the powers of darkness. Eternally young and vigorous, he pursues them without mercy, always awake, always alert. It is impossible to surprise him, and from his never-ceasing combats, he always emerges the victor. This is the idea that unceasingly occurs in the inscriptions, the idea expressed by the Persian surname Nabars, which, uh, in my words, uh, that's kind of like a funny little, uh, 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 synchronicity because the other book is written by a guy whose last name is Navars. Right. Uh, back to Kimol. Um, by the Greek and Latin epithets of Invictus Insuperabilis. Insuper, uh, As the god of armies, Mithras caused his protégés to triumph over their barbarous adversaries. And likewise, in the moral realm, he gave them victory over the instincts of evil inspired by the spirit of falsehood. And he assured them salvation both in this world and in that to come. Have you ever looked up a picture of Payam Nabars? Yeah, I was, oh yeah, I was going to show you that. There's a picture on the back of the book. Look. Uh, it's not showing up because of your background. Oh, yeah. You see it? Uh, uh, nope. Uh -uh. Oh, I can see whatever. you fine, but the camera yeah. is freaked out yeah. by the... But, uh, <clears throat> he's, he's awesome. Yeah. He's got the skullet going. Yeah. Yeah. He's a cool guy. Yeah, he's he's definitely he's definitely cool. <laughs> I don't really want to dunk on the guy. No, he's cool. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. Uh, he looks fucking awesome. He looks like he'd be no. a great guy to hang out with. Yeah, and actually, his book is actually like it's much uh, much easier to read than the fucking Cumont one, which is dry as fucking dick. Yeah, dude. the Cumont book sounds like a like a, a chore, but the Nabars book yeah. seems like something I might want to read. Oh, oh yeah, it's actually yeah, it's uh, he's he's a good writer. Yeah. He has like a very engaging style. Um, he makes it like very. Very digestible. Um, but yeah, anyway, so now I'm going to read again from Cumont. The souls of which an infinite multitude peopled the habitations of the Most High, capital M, capital H, Most High, descended here below to animate the bodies of men, either because they were compelled by bitter necessity to fall into this material and corrupt world, or because they had dropped of their own accord upon the earth to undertake here the battle against the demons. When after death the genius of corruption took possession of the body, and the soul quitted its human prison, the devists of, of darkness and the emissaries of heaven disputed for its possession. A special decree decided whether it was worthy to ascend again into paradise. If it was stained by an impure life, the emissaries of Ahriman dragged it down by the to the eternal depths, where they inflicted upon it a thousand tortures, or perhaps as a mark of its fall, it was condemned to take up, uh, up its abode in the body of some unclean animal. If, on the contrary, its merits outweighed its faults, it was borne aloft the regions on high. The heavens were divided into seven spheres, each of which was conjoined with a planet. A sort of ladder composed of eight superposed gates, the first seven of which were constructed of different metals, was the symbolic suggestion in the temples of the road to be followed to reach the supreme region of the fixed stars. To pass from one story to the next, each time the wayfarer had to enter a gate guarded by an angel of Ormazd. The initiates alone, to whom the appropriate formulas had been taught, knew how to appease these inexorable guardians. As the soul traversed these different zones, it rid itself, as one would, of garments of the passions and faculties that it had received in its descent to the earth. 
It abandoned to the moon its vital and nutritive energy, to Mercury its desires, to Venus its wicked appetites, to the sun its intellectual capacities, to Mars its love of war, to Jupiter its ambitious dreams, to Saturn its inclinations. It was naked, stripped of every vice and every sensibility, when it penetrated the eighth heaven to enjoy there, as an essence supreme, and in the eternal light that bathed the gods, beatitude without end. It was Mithra, the protector of truth, that presided over the judgment of the soul after its decease. It was he, the mediator, that served as a guide to his faithful ones in their courageous ascent to the Empyrean. He was the celestial father that received them in, its, in his resplendent mansion, like children who had returned from a distant voyage. Yep. So eventually the struggle between Mithras and Ahriman would come to an end. Ahriman's scourges will signal the destruction of the world. However, a marvelous bull like the primitive will appear and Mithras will redescend to awaken life in men. Humanity will unite in a grand assembly and Mithras will separate good and evil and, again, sacrifice the bull through immolation. Jupiter or Mars will send a devouring flame from heaven to purify the world and annihilate the wicked. Paradise on earth will follow. Of course, in the worship of Mithras, we see not just this eternal struggle of good and evil, but also a sort of worship of the principles and agents and the understanding of ancient science. With the worship of the planets and constellations, we see an understanding of religious expression in physics and astronomy of the ancient Roman world. There is a scientific aspect to it as something of a cult of the astronomical. In this way, it appealed to both the lay and learned man of ancient Rome. Mm. All right. So that's more or less, that's basically uh, Mithraism. That's their doctrine. Mm -hmm. You know. Uh, now let's get into uh, the Mithraic liturgy, clergy, and devotees. So I'm going to read now uh, a, from Nabars. This is a... Uh, let me see, page seven. Here we go. This is <clears throat> a uh, Mithraic inscription at the Santa Prisca Mithraeum in Rome. Fertile earth pales who procreates everything. Rock-bound spring that fed the twin brothers with nectar. This young bull which he carried on his golden shoulders according to his ways. And after which I have received it, I have borne on my shoulders the greatest things of the gods. Sweet are the livers of the birds, but care reigns. That which is piously reborn and created by sweet things. You must conduct the right through clouded times together. And here, as the first ram runs exactly on its course, and you saved us after shedding the eternal blood. Accept, O Holy Father, accept the incense-burning lions, through whom we offer the incense, through whom we ourselves are consumed. Hail the lions for many in the new years. So... <clears throat> Much like basically all of the religions of classical antiquity, the mysteries of Mithras held as its most important feature its liturgy. Mm -hmm. However, like basically every other mystery cult, the liturgy of Mithras has unfortunately been lost to time. <laughs> you know, some words have made it to the present day, as well as a verse from an unknown hymn. And uh, for for you know the listeners at home that aren't you know uh, historians or whatever, uh, a liturgy is just you know or it's just the form within which public worship is conducted. So, if you're not religious, probably never been involved in liturgy. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's really the loss of the liturgy that makes it so difficult for us as modern people to truly know the esoteric discipline of the mysteries. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so, as I've said in previous episodes, the seven degrees of initiation for a mystic in the cult of Mithras were the Korax, or raven, 
the Nymphus or Cripheus, uh, which means like a cult or male bride. Uh, the Miles or a soldier. Leo, which is lion. Persa or Perses, which is the Persian. And Heliodromus, which is the runner of the sun. And finally, Potter, father. Now, these were not empty titles, as the ritual garbs that would sometimes be worn were suited to the titles accorded. On the boss reliefs, we see them carrying counterfeit heads of animals, soldiers, and Persians. One 4th century Christian wrote, Some flap their wings like birds, imitating the cry of crows. Others growl like lions, and such manner are they that are called wise, basely travestied. <coughs> so, the raven, which is under the rule of Mercury... Again, this is a very, like, astrological cult, uh, constantly talking about, you know, the planets and the planets corresponding to particular, uh, or the celestial bodies corresponding to particular gods. So the raven, which is under the rule of Mercury, symbolized the death of the neophyte and was a reference to the Towers of Silence in ancient Persia. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so instead of burying the dead uh, in ancient Persia, the dead were left atop funeral towers to be eaten by carrion. Um, so sins were washed away by baptism as a, as, as a raven in the cult, and the neophyte was reborn into a spiritual path. Wow. There's so many. There, It's just so interesting yeah. to chart the, like, backwards progression of, you know, through lines from, like, modern dominant religions, like Abrahamic yeah. religions. Yeah. You, like, you see so many. Older... Yeah, there's just, there's see, just like, so many through lines there. It's, it's yeah, it's like the Last Supper mm -hmm. is in this, um, and then uh, I know like the, the Virgin Logos. Birth was was in yeah. Zoroastrianism. Yeah, you have the idea of the Logos. Yeah, um, yeah, and then baptism, all the stuff. Yep. Now the second uh, initiatory rite uh, was the Nymphis, the male bride, who was under the rule of Venus, and they wore a veil and carried a lamp. He was unable to see the light of truth until the veil was lifted and celibacy was observed during the stage no 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 fucking and sucking now Miles, the soldier which was naturally under the rule of can we guess it folks that's right it was mars uh was bound naked and offered a crown upon reception the binds would be cut he would then remove the crown as mithras was his only crown it is possible that a mark was then placed on the initiate's head, perhaps an X or a cross. Again, like Christianity, think like, you know, Ash mm. Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> um, although this was usually, like, branded. Um, Leo, under Jupiter, was the next stage in the first of the senior degrees. As the initiate now entered the element of fire, the initiate could not touch water, but was allowed to wash their hands with honey and anoint their tongue with the same. I feel like your hands would get real sticky doing that. Yeah, and you'd know. get really dehydrated. Yeah, yeah. What well, it's just drink? during the rite. Oh, just during just the rite. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, afterwards you could drink water, obviously. Oh. Um, Yeah. Uh, so Perseus was under the rule of the moon. Perseus was the son of Perseus, and so the rank of Perseus was considered the sun. The emblem for the stage was the curved harp sword that Perseus, uh, that Perseus used to decapitate the Gorgon. And thus the initiate severed their more base animal instincts. Purification with honey again occurred, and honey is associated with the purity and fertility of the moon. Thus, honey moon. Hmm. <clears throat> Heliodromus, or sunrunner, was under the influence of... Any guesses? That's right. Yep, the sun. <laughs> the initiate would be dressed in red. This initiate would sit beside the father at banquets. 
And finally, we have the father under the domain of Saturn. This was the earthly representative of Mithras, the teacher of the congregation. When multiple paters were present in a congregation, the pater patron was the leader of the father.
So I'm going to read uh, once more from Cumont here. So these sacred uh, masks, so he's talking about the garb and the masks. Uh, these sacred masks, of which the ecclesiastical writer exhibits the ridiculous side, were interpreted by pagan theologians as an allusion to the signs of the zodiac, and even to the doctrine of metempsychosis. Such divergences of interpretation simply prove that the real meaning of these animal disguises was no longer understood. They are in reality a, a survival of primitive practices which have left their traces in numerous cults. We find the titles of bear, ox, colt, and other similar names borne by the initiates of the different mysteries in Greece and Asia Minor. They go back to that prehistoric period where the divinities themselves were represented under the forms of animals, and even and when the worshipper, in taking the name and semblance of his gods, believed that he identified himself with them. The lion-headed Kronos, having become the incarnation of time, was substituted for the lions which the forerunners of the Mithraists worshipped, and similarly the cloth and paper masks with which the Roman mystics covered their faces were substitutes for the animal skins with which their barbarous predecessors originally clothed themselves. Be it that they believed they thus entered into communion with the monstrous idols which they worshipped, or that in enveloping themselves in the pelts of their flayed victims, they conceived these bloody tunics to possess some purifying virtue. And uh, I, I just rewatched once again season one of True Detective, and I'm just uh, uh, very much reminded of the cult from that season. You know, yeah. they're wearing the animal masks and shit yeah. while they do the ritual sacrifice. That's such a good show. That season of that show, dude, it's so. I've I've watched it like eight times now. <laughs> uh, I've watched it three, which is a lot yeah. for me because I don't like. Yeah. I have a hard time with like TV shows, but yeah, man, but, is it is it good. I would yeah. love, I would love, and it wouldn't really make sense, but it would be so cool to have those guys, yeah. those characters come back, you know? Yeah. They just wouldn't really, like, they kind of... Yeah, their story ended. The corner there, you know what I mean? Yeah. But they were um, so good. Yeah. Yeah, just that show was firing on all cylinders for mm -hmm. that, for that uh, season. Anyway, so yeah, um, so the seven initiation grades corresponded to the seven planetary spheres which the soul was forced to tra traverse to reach the abode of the blessed. The first three degrees themselves did not authorize participation in the mysteries. These were the servants. To become a Leo was to become a full participant. For the rank of a cult, which is Nymphus, the members were hidden by some veil and probably remained invisible for the rest of the congregation, or to the rest. Uh, the soldiers formed part of the sacred militia of the invincible god and waged war. Uh, once one got to the rank of Persian, they donned the Phrygian cap, which was also bestowed on Mithras. This grade recalled the origin of the Mazdaean religion. The fathers were borrowed from the Greek Theosi and constituted the directors of the community. Baptism was featured in Mithraism, as I said. However, whether it was an anointing or a full-on submersion like the Isaiah cults, which are the cults of Isis, is unknown. Uh, bread and water were consecrated and consumed by the initiates at ceremonies. In the, quote, juice of the vine... Uh, it was to substitute the juice of Haoma, used in Iranian celebrations, but unknown as a plant in the Occident, uh, was consumed. Wine would be added to the mix, and it is possible that this was not afforded to those who had not yet achieved the rank of Leo. So you just gotta drink that fucking vine juice, losers. Um, <laughs> there would be trials and tribulations of the, for the participants of the rites, mainly abstinence and fasting, as well as playing a part in certain dramatizations. The goal was to create an austere and apathetic mindset. Cumont specifically makes note that while some Christian authors would condemn these rites as barbaric, and that they even included human sacrifice, this was likely made up. Uh, 
Kumat is careful to note, however, that this was not just some ancient Freemasonic style of ritual, but that these meetings were conducted in awe-inspiring caves in the countryside and subterranean vaults in the cities, and that everything occurred was intended to create a supernatural sense of wonder in the participant. The drinks were fermented and tingled their body. There were massive structures shaped as gods and bulls with murals of the celestial flight. There were sounds, images, flickering lamps. The goal was to create wonder once you entered these, you know, subterranean caverns. Mm -hmm. The priests of Mithras were wholly different from the Magi of Persia and the Zoroastrian religion. These men were picked and intentionally instructed on how to perform the rites of Mithraic worship. Of particular note is that there was a certain cursus honorum to the Mithraic mysteries themselves, in particular locales. These men would be elected or placed into particular positions, non-priest division, of the Brotherhood and would be supported by and support the particular congregation. Uh, now, this is just me, but one has to imagine how much the support actually flowed into the real elected offices of the Empire. Mm -hmm. I imagine the fraternity did not end once one left the caves, but you know, that's just speculation. And, of course, I will note again that much of what actually went on inside the Mithraeum is forever lost to time, and only bits and pieces survive, and so it is only from these bits and pieces that we can try to figure out what went on. <clears throat> now, obviously we talked about Pyam the Bars and mm -hmm. how he is uh, 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 a current practitioner of Mithras. So, I would like to briefly discuss, and, you know, there's, like, a lot to this, um... Like and maybe in a future episode down the line, I'll get more into like modern Mithraism, but for right now, I'll be brief with it because there are people that are still doing books and like talking about like like psychedelic, uh, the, like the psychedelic nature to Mithraism and mm -hmm. whether or not it's like just a cult of astronomy and all this kind of stuff. But um, dear listener, would you be surprised to find that Mithraism has actually persisted in some respect through the Middle Ages in secret societies and continuing today? because it has <laughs> while it is controversial in historical circles there are scholars who claim that mithraism has been influential in the development of the knights templar freemasonry and rosicrucianism uh there are references to a mithras lodge in freemasonry dating back to at least 1870 and the charter of the mithras lodge of washington dc there is even a reference in the united states presidential documents stating garfield james abram Address at the Mithras Lodge of Sorrow, Washington, November 10th, 1881. Damn. The Lodge yeah. of Sorrow, eh? Yeah, the Mithras Lodge of Sorrow. Yeah. Now, James Garfield, of course, being the 20th United States president and a Freemason. Uh, the Mithras Lodge mentioned is still operating and has numerous offshoots, including the Mare Lodge, opened in 1990. Mare is the modern form of the word Mithra. Hmm. Um, so the revival of Mithraism is ongoing and began with the publication of books from writers connected to the Theosophical Society, or American Freemasonry. Uh, should be a lot, for, for those who, you know, study parapolitics and whatnot, I'm sure there's all sorts of uh, uh, bells going off, you know. <laughs> um, now, Payam Nabars outlines how Mithraism, revivalism, can and is utilized both in Western secret societies and also in practitioners of neo-pagan and other faiths, including Sufis, Wiccans, Druids, Greek and Roman revivalists, shamanic practitioners, and others, and that Mithraism can both be worshipped by solo practitioners and in group settings. Yeah, the, isn't uh, Payam Nabars, didn't I see that he's a Sufi? Yeah, he's a Sufi, yep. And also a Druid, and... Um, <laughs> Mithras practitioner, yeah. yeah. It says, uh, 
Yeah, he's a druid in the Grove of the Order of the Bards, Ovidus, and Druids, a member of the Golden Dawn Occult Society, and Revivalist of Mithras. So. Wow. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so, uh, uh, um, yeah, and it can be both a solo uh, practice or it can be done in group settings. So the revival of Mithraism was largely kicked off in the early 20th century by G.R.S. Mead and Kenneth Sylvan Guthrie. The Scottish Rite Freemason leader, Mr. Hall of Nashville, which I, I tried to look more into this. I don't, I don't know if that's like a pseudonym or what, yeah. but I couldn't find like any other references to him. Um, but I mean, it was just tough to search too because Google's fucking terrible now. So it just kept bringing me to Freemason lodges in Nashville, Tennessee. Right. <laughs> like, but um, yeah, so he's a Scottish Rite Freemason leader, Mr. Hall of Nashville, uh, also encouraged the development and practice. So the magical current of Mithraism survives in areas where it was once practiced, potentially through the fusion with Sufism, Christian Gnosticism, and Catholicism, as well as folk practices and local practices near Mithraeum. There are Mithraic rites in Scottish Freemasonry, and its influence can be seen in the Ordo Templi Orientis, OTO, a secret order established by Freemason Carl, uh, Carl Kellner and fused, that fused Eastern Tantric concepts with Western ritual magic. Uh, Aleister Crowley was a famous OTO leader, for those who, you know, know who that is. Uh, the seventh degree of uh, Ordo Templi Orientis is a rite to Mithras called Seven, Grand Counselor of the Mystic Templar, or Mystical Templars, Magus of the Light, Grail Comrade, and Theoretical Rosicrucian, Brother of the Light of the Seven Congregations in Asia, Mysteries of the Mithras Cult. And there are even new temples uh, to Mithras, such as the Sun Center in Tuscany, Italy. And now I would like to uh, finish this by reading again from Payam Nabars. This is a song to Mithras. Mithras, god of the morning, our trumpets wake in the wall. Rome is above the nations, but thou art over all. Now as the names are answered and the gods are marched away. Mithras, also a soldier, give us strength for the day. Mithras, god of the noontide, the, he the heather swims in the heat. Our helmets scorch our foreheads, our sandals burn our feet. Now in the ungirt hour, now ere we blink and drowse, Mithras, also a soldier, keep us true to our vows. Mithras, god of the sunset, low on the western main. Thou descending a mortal, a mortal to rise again. Now when the watch is ended, now when the wine is drawn. Mithras, also a soldier, keep us pure till the dawn. Mithras, god of midnight, here where the great bull dies, look on thy children in darkness, O, take our sacrifice. Many roads thou hast fastened, all of them led to the light. Mithras, also a soldier, teaches to die aright. And this is a, a revivalist poem uh, written in 1906 by Rudyard Kipling. Rudyard Kipling? The there Jungle Book. <laughs> yeah. Dude, so yeah, wow. There you go. Crazy. I kind of want to join. I kind of want to join like a cult now. Yeah. Not like a not like a some weird like modern sex cult, but like some yeah. sort of like revivalist like yeah. Mithraic cult, you know? Yeah. Which probably would yeah. also have weird sex stuff in it. I guarantee oh, yeah. you. Oh, I'm sure it's it's I would be so fucking shit. out like so fast i'd either yeah, laugh you just at the wrong walk in time there and people are sucking and fucking in animal masks and, you're and like, i'd be like eh. okay sorry guys i uh, would do that like cartoon like run in place for a second and then dash yeah. out Pew. 
Yeah, and like also like the like because there's definitely people that like fully believe this. You know what I mean? Like yeah, there's no room for the skepticism the that's like inherent in my worldview. Yeah, like these people would like yeah they they wouldn't like probably... it. They wouldn't. I'd have a lot of questions that they wouldn't like. Yeah, and like kind of like a half smirk the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wish though. I wish that I could. I yeah. wish that I could just like find a Mithraeum in uh in Massachusetts. Yeah, there there might be one. I'm I mean, sure Massachusetts, I feel like, would be a good candidate. We've got all this, like, Harvard, Ivy League shit yeah, here. Yeah, just and, go like, to Cambridge, and you'll probably find some perverts doing this shit. Yeah, man. I believe it. Yeah, so there's probably one at every Ivy League, yeah. I would guess. I would guess that there's, if like, if you're going to find one. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so, yeah, anyway, there's that. Cool. All right, see you later, guys. No, I'm just kidding. That was really good. <laughs> I, um, I actually feel like as we start, like, getting into obviously modern is a relative term but like more modern expressions of yeah. the ancient mystery cults yeah. where there is more information available i find it like less confusing and you know you talked yeah. about like losing the liturgy and how much that affects and yeah. i was trying to think to myself like how confusing will well hopefully i don't offend anyone by <laughs> implying that christianity will one day perish or evolve but <laughs> it, it will so yeah. um you know one day people will look back and um granted now like everything there's the internet and so like information is so much more readily available it's just interesting to think like how much yeah. we would lose if we suddenly lost all knowledge of like the catholic liturgy for example yeah you know how would study of that religion progress um and i think i think i sort of answered my own question as long as like we have access to the kind of information yeah. we have now but um it's it's just it's just wild to think how important it is to actually have that like relevant knowledge of modern practice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because all of this seems so like so esoteric and like strange, yeah. but I'm sure, you know, but if you had like the sermons and shit that Yeah, said, right. Like the... contemporaneously it wouldn't have seemed so alien and so strange. Yeah. It would have probably felt much more familiar. Um, yeah, yeah, and a lot exactly. of the practice, there probably were casuals, you know, there were probably like, yeah. oh yeah, I mean, I was raised, you know, Mithraic, but you I mean, know. what else am I going to do on a Thursday? Right, you know? right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just, it's just interesting. It's, 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 I, that's my favorite part of this is like thinking, <laughs> like trying to insert myself into like yeah. that headspace where it's like, oh man, what? Yeah, I'm sure there are people that just went and hang out with their friends and fucking drink weird shit. Yeah. Totally. I was also looking into, um, you mentioned Haoma, that like, yeah. which is still part yeah. of like Zoroastrian practice. Yeah. And the specific identity of that herb has like long been mm -hmm. in question, but they think that it's uh, this little shrub called Ephedra, or uh, yeah. of the genus Ephedra, that is like closely guarded. Because there are still existing Zoroastrians. I think we've mentioned yeah, yeah. on the show before, but like. Um, I mean, wasn't. Uh, wasn't um... What's his name from Queen? Wasn't he a Zoroastrian? Oh, I don't know. I know I that he, he was, was. I know that he was. Um, he may have been. He was uh, from that island. What's it called? Uh, Zanzibar. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Let me check. Which is predominantly is that, I, a Muslim nation. Frank Mercury. Yeah. Yeah. He he um, may have been. Uh, he may have been a Zoroastrian. Yeah. There there is a relatively large uh, community in India, and then obviously oh. in in Iran in Persia. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah, his family, his family were practicing Zoroastrians. Oh wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I his didn't know that. Is, uh, his real name is Farouk Bolsara. Yeah, and, um, yeah, they're from Zanzibar, and uh, 
Yeah, they were. Uh, the family moved to Zanzibar so Bomi could continue his job as a cashier. And as Parsis, the Bolsaras practiced Zoroastrianism. Oh. Wow. They were yep. Parsis? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that's really interesting. Probably the most famous Zoroastrian you've ever heard of. Yeah. <laughs> Freddie Mercury. You heard yep. it here first, folks. Yep. Um, well, that was awesome, man. I, uh, I'm excited to listen back to this because oh. these are always episodes that I sit and like listen to as if I was a fan. Yep. Cool. Yeah. So anyway, uh, thank you everybody for listening. Um, uh, you know, as always, we spread by word of mouth. So if you can tell people about us, we really appreciate that. And, um, you know, still seeing some good growth going on. So that's nice to see. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. We, um, yeah. The, uh, despite thank- Margaret's, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Margaret's, uh, her objections, despite yeah, her crusade yeah, the anti left on right. No, crusade. but it's actually, that brings up an interesting point. I mean, yeah. I think so many people, not so many, I think the bulk of our listeners end up yeah. gravitating towards newer episodes, which is, yeah. I think, what we, I don't want to say prefer because obviously, like, we, we have, uh, almost 100 episodes now, and yeah. there's a whole, this will be what, episode 98? There's yeah. a whole body of work out there that, like, we've worked really hard. And I think yeah. that listening to, like, early episodes really showcases how far we've come, not only with yeah. just, like, technology, which we can't take a huge amount of credit for, but also, like, yeah. you know, our delivery, the level of research, the confidence yeah. that we have, even when we're doing silly episodes, like, to do that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, that's an older episode. That's in the first first third of, first of the year. stuff we put out, yeah. right? So, like, you know the show is very different now and mm-hmm. I, I i hope that margaret and those like her that maybe have listened back to an older episode and been like well this is very amateur yeah it was and it still is you yeah. know it's it's a very ongoing process but also that episode rules if i do say so much yeah it was a great episode i i loved that episode yeah, um, and i mean by then we had definitely like hit a stride yeah. um as far as like how episodes were structured and written and yeah. delivered and you know, when you go back and listen, I was talking to uh, a friend who just yeah. listened to, like, the first episode of the show. Yeah. And was, like, I then went and listened to, like, the last released episode. And it was, like, yeah. night and day. It's, like, unbelievable. Yeah. Um, how yeah. different yeah. The, the quality <laughs> it's is. It's a so. skill like any other. You get better as you do it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. I And I sometimes think that, like... We've done, be... like, hundreds of hours of this at this point. Oh, my God, you know yeah. I mean? Hundreds of hours. Hundreds of pages. Yeah. Um, and it's been a real, it's been a real treat to do and to like stick it out. And, and, you know, we really appreciate all of you guys that listen to it. Um, yep. it's, it's been really cool. And as much as we've been poking fun, um, at Margaret and her email, like even that, like, I feel like that, that, like, that was like our first like real disgruntled email. And even that was yeah. kind of neat. Like it's, it's, it's a sign that, you know, this show obviously isn't going to be for everybody. And wow. you know, if 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 the the PP humor is is yeah. not right for you, you know. Yeah, folks, we talk about jacking off and puking and yeah. shitting sometimes. <laughs> but also, I think there's real there's real substance there. So yeah. anyway, we appreciate. Uh, I'm rambling, but I appreciate you guys yeah. listening, and uh, we will we will definitely. You know, it's it's a shame that we're quitting after. But, you know, <laughs> it's been real. That this is, is how I'm announcing folks. it to Evan. Um, <laughs> Yep. Anyway, we'll see you guys next week or yep. soon. Probably, yeah, yep. probably not next week, but soon thereafter. Yeah. All right. All right. Cool. Have a wonderful evening, and we love you all dearly. All right. Peace.
Thank you.